Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Hello and welcome to a Captain's Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Fabriger, and after spending the majority of my life in the pursuit of becoming an airline captain, I realized getting to the top of the mountain in my career was not where the happiness and satisfaction were. At the age of 34, I quit my job to pursue a new life as an entrepreneur. This podcast is my way of helping people who feel stuck in life, or even for those who hit the top of the mountain, but still don't feel very happy or satisfied or fulfilled. I'm here to help you change that. It's time to become the captain of your own life. I'm not perfect. I don't pretend to be. This podcast is full of not only my life lessons, but lessons from other successful leaders, not only in business, but in everyday life. I hope you find some value, and if so, please subscribe and share this with other like-minded individuals so that, that together we can make a positive impact on the world. Thank you, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Captain's Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Freiberger, and joining me today is PGA Ontario champion, um, Mr. Dave French. Yeah, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Uh, pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Sweet, man. So, yeah, today we're going to get talking about golf. Uh, I think um, it's safe to say something that you and I both are very obsessed about, not just the physical aspect, but the mental aspect and, um, you know, how it relates to life and, and just uh, what it takes to go into, you know, working your way onto the PGA Tour, what it takes to win some of these high caliber events that you've been in. Um, and, and just like where you started and, and how you got yourself to where you are now. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background, um, your golf background, and then we'll, we'll just get into the nitty gritty with some, some good questions. Absolutely. So I started really young, started playing golf when I was four, um, dad ended up getting me into it. And then, uh, first got a membership at a course when I was nine and basically growing up, my parents would drop me off in the summers before they went to work. I would stay there all day until they picked me up when they were done. So I uh, put in a lot of time as a kid growing up, started playing tournaments when I was 12 or 13. Had a lot of success early on, which I think helps keep you motivated. Um, I also grew up in Brights Grove, Ontario, which uh, for the golfing community knows that Mike Weir kind of grew up out of there. So having a hometown hero like that who is successful especially like winning the masters uh when i was young kind of showed me that it's a possibility that it can actually work out for you if you kind of chase toward it so and then uh ended up doing pretty well as an amateur i uh, got myself a golf scholarship out to university of british columbia so spent two years there i uh, ended up transferring to the university of waterloo to finish out my college career where uh, we won the OUA championships all three years I was there, which was a ton of fun. Um, and then turned pro right when I was done at university. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, that's, that's quite a life so far. And you, uh, you've done a bunch of work with a couple of different coaches growing up. I know we talked a little bit about um, the different coaches that you've had um, making a push for the PGA. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what you've uh, what you've done so far in um, in your race to, to to becoming you know a full on uh, PGA member. Um, you know we're gonna have people that don't understand golf uh, and the path to to kind of getting onto the PGA, but but yeah, wh what's happened so far and where you know what's what's kind of on the horizon for you? 
Yeah, so I've been teaching full time uh, on the side, like I had a kid right out of university. So ended up, uh, instead of pursuing right away, kind of going for the tour golf route, I ended up uh, like focusing on teaching a little bit um, right out of the get go. Um, while doing that, basically just playing PGA Ontario events, uh, a couple mini tour events right now, but plan is to go over to Europe for European Tour Q School at the end of this year, now that I can focus on it a little bit more full-time again. Um, nice. Coach-wise, too, uh, had a few different coaches. My coach is a junior, um, really good guy, highly motivated, kind of, again, pumped my tires to make me believe that I could do it, and I had the skill set, which helps a lot. You kind of need some people in your corner. Um, opposite of that is when I went to UBC, unfortunately, the coach out there um, kind of made your life a living hell if you didn't perform <laughs> right out of the gate and go in there like 17 years old, playing against guys who are like 21, 22. Um, I was scrawny then too. I was maybe like a buck 50 going yeah. into university. So um, it was tough. Like I was nervous going into it. Uh, didn't play well the first little kind of like qualifier and then uh, the coach just like made me feel like absolute shit after that so um didn't spend long at ubc because of that environment it's not a fun one to be a part of mm -hmm. and then ended up transferring when i went to waterloo um complete opposite of my experience at ubc everyone was so positive uh just made me believe in myself again which is so important and then we saw the success because of that environment for sure it's funny you've mentioned the word belief a lot of times um you know, and we'll get into the kind of coaching side too, but you know, this whole podcast is around leadership and it's, a, a it's, it's, um, I think, I think a big piece of that is that word belief. Um, how does that word believe, how does that fit in, um, to the success that you've, you've seen so far? I think, uh, like you can break it down to like long-term goals and think you're going to get there, but also in the moment stuff too. So whenever I'm, got a club in my hand and I'm looking at that next shot I always think that I'm going to hit a good one and believe it's going to go exactly kind of where I'm looking um, rather than focus on what could go wrong and kind of get in that scared or timid mindset and that helps tremendously and mm -hmm. uh, even long-term goals same thing just having that um, belief in yourself the kind of confidence that you can achieve what you're looking to achieve in the sport is so important because if you didn't think that there is the light at the end of the tunnel and you're going to get there one day, then it's pretty hard to keep yourself motivated. Yeah, absolutely. So in that belief in that, you know, in you're, you're kind of going back to shot by shot as well, which is a big, big key. And, you know, I think this is going to, it's going to be evident that this kind of translates to life as well, just in general. But, um, how do you, how do you separate like a bad shot and then going into the next shot, believing that you can still hit it properly. Yeah. Um, it's just acceptance when things do go bad that uh, you can't control an outcome a lot of the time too. So going into it and like trusting your abilities, obviously I spent a lot of time practicing and working on that skill set to know that even if that one bad swing or bad result happens, you just got to tee it up and be like, that's the anomaly rather than what is supposed to happen and then uh, kind of return to 
like the mean, the average of what you would expect, which is a lot more good shots than, right. than bad. So, yeah, it's a good way of looking at it too. And I think that translates into life as well, right? Like, you know, we all have bad days, right? But it's, it's focusing on the belief that, you know, you're going to have more good days than bad. And you, you, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's not, you said it, like you can't control the outcome but you're going to increase the best chance of the best outcome if you choose to believe that's only it's like choose to believe or not to believe i think one there's only one that's going to give you a, a chance of of the better outcome that you're looking for i think that's so important and, and that's got to be a you know a, a fairly consistent thing with players on the tour and, and golf in general how big of a difference do you think the mentality behind golf makes a difference in the game Oh, huge. Uh, even just seeing like guys I compete against and mini tours and stuff like that, like on the range, their golf swings look like they should be making millions of dollars. And then they get out there, hit one bad shot, and then their mental game completely falls apart. Yeah. So it's, it's huge. It separates the winners from the guys who are struggling to make money out there too. Um, and again, it's like, that's why Tiger Woods, I think is so good and keeps coming back after all of his inter injuries because his mindset is the best in the game mm -hmm. and he has that mentality that like he's going to go out there and win and he can outthink people on the golf course because he doesn't let those bad shots bother him like one shot to the next mm -hmm. yeah you see like a slightly you know a slight amount of emotion from a bad shot or something and um even from from tour players in general but you come back, you know, two minutes later, they're going on to the next shot and they look like they're dialed in again. It's like they're mm -hmm. laser focused and they're not even thinking about that last shot. And I know one thing that really sticks out because you're my golf instructor as well. Um, you, I think we were talking a lot about pre-shot routine and it's something that I was never disciplined with um, until you kind of talked me through the idea that it's, it's a good way to disconnect yourself from that last shot as well and and bring consistency and and the best way that i relate it to my life personally is my morning routine like having that consistent thing that you if you do it it's a win right and and that so talk me talk me through that pre-shot routine for golfers and why that's so important yeah so tries to get you in that mindset of a like a calm confident focused mindset so um obviously there's a lot of in between time in golf you're not just like going nonstop there's you got to walk to your ball or you're like talking with the people you're playing with so it's a way to kind of jump back into focus um instead of still like chatting and talking having a conversation right before you get the ball it's like okay mm. now that i started this routine um it's like my time to focus like allows you to limit distractions as well which is huge like once you really dial into kind of the process and how you're thinking and um, that commitment level that comes along with a pre-shot routine, then little noises or maybe you hear someone a couple holes over yelling for or dropping an F-bomb. Like you don't even hear that yeah. stuff when you're in that kind of mindset that uh, that is focused. And it's kind of like a yeah. meditative state, like you're focusing on one thing at a time mm -hmm. and something that you can actually control for the most part, right? Like there's, there's a lot of control over your pre-shot routine yeah. versus less control over the outcome absolutely it's probably 
the only thing to control or the only thing you're able to control on the golf course is kind of that 15, 30 seconds of, of thinking and getting your head in a good spot before you actually try to hit a golf shot. Cause even like swing to swing, you're moving so fast that like you can't really manipulate or control the fine motor movements that it takes to actually strike a golf ball <laughs> pretty solid. Um, so just like the mindset's basically the only thing that you have the ability to change from, from shot to shot rather than any physical things. What's your, we're going to get into a little bit about like your coaching a little bit uh, more just on the leadership side, but before we do, um, what's your routine to like make any changes? Like when would you decide to make a change in like your golf swing or your pre-shot routine or like, just walk us through that. Like how, what's your method on that? Yeah. So golf's funny. Like you can always get better at it, um, no matter how good you are, but uh, anytime you make a change, it's a process of like having to think about it before it comes like an unconscious movement. So mm -hmm. um, if it's like a really big change, like most of what I try to do coaching wise or in my own swing is try to simplify it and make it as efficient as possible. When you eliminate variables, then it makes things more consistent. Um, but going through a swing change or anything like that, um, it's just a kind of dialing it back and dialing back the movement rather than like adding a ton of extra thoughts. And then, right. um, I try to limit things again to like one thought max two in a golf swing. Cause the more you're actually thinking, the harder it is to perform when you're out on the golf course. So, mm -hmm. um, kind of like build it up in stages, uh, like one piece at a time until it feels comfortable before moving on to the next aspect. How do you go from being like that guy that shoots in the eighties to the guy that shoots in like the low seventies? Is that, is it mental? Is it, is it skill? Like which, which one comes first? Is it both? Like, how does that, how's that process work? Is, you know, personal curiosity as well. I know that, um, working on the mental part of it has definitely made me enjoy the game more. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say it's definitely helped me be better. Um, but there's also, you know, limitations with the skill if I don't put the practice in. Right. So how does that, how does that mentality come in to play? Um, when it's, when it's somebody shooting from, you know, if somebody's a 10 handicap to, to getting to that lower handicap. Yeah. Uh, it is like some skill stuff, but I would say it's mostly a mental barrier. So in golf, you kind of go to the number that you're comfortable shooting. So if you've never shot under 80 before, for example, when you're standing on the 15th tee and you're only four over, then you're going to feel a little bit nervous. You're going to come down the stretch and be like, I don't feel comfortable at this spot. So then you end up, I can relate like bogey, bogey, double or something. Yeah, I can relate. Those, and you're just like, Oh, um, so it's what I do with my juniors. A lot of the time is I force them to play the forward tees. Um, even what I kind of did growing up. So you get comfortable shooting lower numbers and then you go shoot like 70 for the first time, you might be playing at like 5,000 yards when you're used to playing at 6,500 yards. But then you have that understanding to so like, oh, I just shot 72. I can do it. And then once you believe that you can do it, then it makes it a lot easier and you don't feel nervous when you're sitting there. Funny how simple that can 
shift a golfer, right? Mm-hmm. And and I I know you and I have talked about it. Like you've seen my mental game improve, and like just in the sense of my enjoyment of the game, it's and that was contributed to a book. Um, what is it, the uh, Bob Rotella, right? Yeah, golf um, is not a game imperfect. Yeah, so anybody listening that's actually a golf enthusiast um, and wants to work on their their game, it's it's a it, it was handed to me by a, another golf instructor like four or five years ago. And because, yeah, like I was getting frustrated, um, like I genuinely love just to the curiosity of trying to be better at things. Um, I'm less competitive than I used to be. And I'm like learning how to balance that competitive side with the enjoyment side. And that book really helped me focus on a few different things. And the one thing, um, that stood out and I, I know you and I've talked a little bit about this, but it's the idea of like where you're actually focusing your attention when it comes to like, let's say you're inside a hundred yards and you're looking at the green. Um, talk me through the difference or whether you're putting or chipping or like, talk me through what most people do that you see and when you're training um, and where they're focusing like on hitting the ball versus where you focus on hitting the ball. What's what the difference is. Yeah. So what I see the majority of time is, uh, especially on like a tougher hole that's set up, say you're on a par three, you got a pond there, you got some bunkers. A lot of the time people go to the bag, they're like, oh, I don't want to hit in the pond or I don't want to hit in the bunkers. And your brain just can't comprehend that negative or like, don't do this because then all your focus goes to the pond or the bunkers or the hazards that are out there. Whereas when I step up, the only thing I try to focus on is what I want to have happen. I don't even kind of see what could go wrong. And I think in life too, just focusing on what you actually want to have happen for you rather than all the things that could go bad. Um, Kind of that fear is debilitating when it comes to making decisions or actually trying to do what you want to achieve. I think it's uh, where attention goes, energy flows or something. I I don't remember the quote exactly. And the other thing I always think about when we talk about this is, Canada's worst driver. Have you ever watched that? And they have that obstacle that pops out and they have to miss it. And I, I don't, I haven't watched too much of it, but it, it's such a weird thing to, to bring up, but it stands out. <laughs> and the instructor, the, the other person is always telling the, the bad driver, like, just focus on you where you want to go. But what is every, like, what do a lot of people do? They focus on the object that pops out. And then and they smash it every And then they smash time. it every time because they're focused on where they want to go. And it's such a, it seems like such a dumb, simple thing to do, but it's actually kind of hard to practice in, in, in real life. It's a continuous effort. Um, what do you do on a like daily basis to help you like continuously, like build that muscle of the the mentality, the mindset, the focusing on the positives, the beliefs, uh, like, is there anything specifically that you do on a daily basis? Uh, I try to read like every year, uh before the season starts i would read another couple like sports psychology books um just get back in that like mindset of learning uh but like you practice it enough and you go out there um, especially when i practice it's if i am working on something it's like half the time is like box practice or technical work and then the other half is going through your full pre-shot routine thinking about like ball flights trajectory shape like your target um, rather than just being on the range and beating balls. So it's still like a lot of continuous practice on both the swing and physical side, as well as the mental side. 
when you're out there. And I think that's something that almost nobody does on the yeah. range. I never see anyone <laughs> going through their full pre-shot or even people don't even have a pre-shot. And then they wonder why they can't bring that skill that they try to develop on the range to the golf course when they go and just like rake balls back and forth and hit 47 irons in a row. And they're like, oh, I don't know why I can't go out there when it, I only have one shot. <laughs> at, I, think the, I think that's a big thing to remember too. Like that pre-shot or that discipline to like a pre-shot routine, a morning routine, um, you know, I heard it preached. I've I've heard it talked about. I've I've read the books. I, you know, you listen to the the successful people that are that are preaching these things, and you want to believe it. And you want to do it. And you think, okay, I have to do this. But until I actually understood why that was so important, um, once I understood like the the uh, discipline and a pre-shot routine and how that brings my attention back to the present how it brings my attention back to what i can control how it brings my attention back to like um and, and like it takes my attention away from that last bad shot or whatever um happened in the past um and then i started like doing that in my morning routine as well with journaling and like gratitude and like thinking about the things that i have not the things that i don't have um because you know Unfortunately, we mostly spend the day thinking about things we don't have so that we can, because we're trying to go and chase these things that we don't have yet, that we don't spend that much time thinking about the things that we do have. And I think that that's a, a, a big thing from my perspective to understand before you go and try and journal or before you go and try and commit yourself to a pre-shot routine. It's like, okay, well, why? Why is this important to me? And um, uh, a couple of other questions. Um, while you were, uh, you know, while we're on the, 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 the golf train here, what's something that you are currently trying to unlearn? Is there anything that you're, any habits that you're currently trying to unlearn? And if so, like, how are you doing it? Um, oh, I think like not necessarily unlearn, but it's just like still staying focused on what I'm trying to achieve. Um, like skill wise, I don't think ever you try to unlearn things, you try to build on things, even if you have like some bad habits, you're trying to, to build them up rather than like unlearn. I don't think you can look back in a sport or <laughs> in life and be like, oh, I learned this certain thing. It's like, no, you can take that experience and you can see like why it didn't work out. And then you can build on it from there. But uh, kind of back like, to I've the acceptance my... part that you were talking about at the start, right? Like, yeah. Like I've had my struggles too. Uh, I had the yips for a few years, and if anyone doesn't know what the yips are, they're awful. Uh, like anybody who plays basically... golf knows what that means. <laughs> yeah, but if you don't, it's like you don't have, or it's like performance anxiety. But I didn't have like control over my motor functions. Um, like it would have basically like I had like a little hand seizure when I would hit a short putt. Um, and like, I know why now, why that happened and uh, it took a lot of work on the psychology of things, but it was back into that, like fear state being like, oh, I, I should, like, I have to make this three footer because like statistically you should. And then I put so much pressure on it and then I just got to be like, oh, what if I miss? And then like that fear was like so debilitating. How did you, even... how did you work through that? <laughs> Uh, so read a ton of sports psychology stuff. Uh, the biggest thing is falling in love with the process and not the result. 
so especially when it comes to to putting like getting really detailed in your pre-shot even down to like how you breathe and just being like if i can do what i can control every single time then whether the puck goes in or doesn't go in then i did everything in my control and it kind of takes you away from the result focus and into more so like what you actually are trying to to do and what you can control and if you stay disciplined in that then the result at the end of the day doesn't even matter yeah because you can't it's just the best result control. possible based upon maximizing what you can control right okay that exactly. leads me into what's your definition of success when it comes to golf yeah so uh as i've talked to you before about goal setting i set a ton of goals uh writing down every year i uh, have kind of like long-term goals like of course plan on pj tour one day and then season goals um, and i always set them a little bit out of reach but uh success for me is just the pursuit of kind of trying to achieve them i think if i go in day in day out working my hardest to actually achieve those goals that i set for myself then i chalk that up as a success and sometimes it works out in terms of the actual results but uh, other times it doesn't and that's again like i can't control the results i can't control if the guy beside me goes out there and shoots 63 and i only shoot 66 yeah <laughs> like you're not gonna win but um like again you're you're doing your best and you're focusing on the process still trying to get better um every day so and then if i don't do that and just kind of like don't practice then i know it's on me and it, if i don't get the results i didn't earn them right um, yeah it's like a um you know it's kind of funny how often i ask that question um for somebody who feels like fulfilled and happy throughout their journey and you, you kind of keep relating to the idea of focusing on the process, not the outcome. Um, I, I, I would argue, or, or I would, I would guess or hypothesize. And, and as I dig in, um, dig in more to podcasting or to dealing with people in the, in golf, I know I've dealt with lots of business leaders and the people who, have made it to the top of the mountain or that have climbed that and, and kind of have this ideal success in, in like a financial financial sense. Um, a lot of those guys got there and then they're, they're talking to me about how like, you know, they weren't fulfilled or, um, and I would, I would guess that a lot of people on the PGA tour, uh, they, they have to think that way. Like they have to, they have to be able to focus on what they can control and be happy and content with, you know, putting in their max effort. Otherwise, would they show up the next week for the next tournament? Because I don't know, it's pretty, pretty rare to be able to win a, a PGA event, right? So if you, you spend your whole life and you only ever come 10th on the PGA Tour, well, you know, you still made it to the PGA Tour, right? Or, uh, you know, that, that whole definition of success, I think, in modern society has been mis mistreated and, and very skewed. And I think that, uh, I think that your, definition really coincides with a lot of what I've seen is a better way of wording our definition of success. Because if success is now attached to what you more, what you can control saying, okay, if I, I'll be successful every day, if I put in my effort and attitude and that effort and attitude is based upon what I think it should be. So if I get to the end of the day and I'm like, look back and maybe today was a rest day. Maybe today I'm supposed to just be content and, you know, not do much, or maybe today I need to put more effort in because I'm 
you know, focused and I have, uh, you know, it's the right circumstances. But I think that at the end of the day, you are the one that gets to decide whether you're successful with that day. And, um, and you ultimately now have the control of putting in more effort or, or not. And that's a, it's a very interesting concept, man. And I know we can keep going down that rabbit hole. Um, what's, uh, yeah, well, you know, let's go back to some of your coaches and I think some of the spaces that you provided. And so talk me through, you said you had a, um, you know, a really good coach when you were young, you went to UBC, you had a, a coach that wasn't so good. Came back to Waterloo, had a better coach again. Now you're a coach yourself. What what is the atmosphere of that good coach, the bad coach, and then what sort of atmosphere do you try and create for your uh, for your um, clients? Uh, good coach, I think, just in terms, just makes you feel good about yourself. Like you want to go, you get the feedback when you need it, but at the end of the day, they're not gonna like destroy your self-esteem right <laughs> which uh like you know i think like everyone understands when they don't do a good job or when they mess up and you don't need to hear it from yeah. another mouth because like you see it in front of you it's like okay i already feel like crap about everybody knows it was a bad shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like you don't need to be like oh like you still suck or (laughs) whatever it's like, and then you just lose your confidence altogether and start playing even worse. But if you have someone who builds you up and keeps you up there and just keeps pumping your tires, then you're going to find a lot more success Mm -hmm. that way. And uh, like my coach growing up was, was like that. He was funny. Like he saw me, obviously I wasn't as good as I am now when I was 14 or growing up, but um, just always had that belief and like kept letting me know that I'm doing a good job and even things like I won a provincial event as a junior and I didn't know it was like such a big deal at the time and he kind of forced me to celebrate it as it was a big deal um, and stuff like that it's just like celebrating the the little achievements along the road too helps so like even my own coaching like little milestones that people get like maybe they hit their seven iron that extra five yards longer than they ever did before or it's like a little bit straighter and like celebrating those little victories along the the road helps people continue to believe in themselves and see that progress and understand that they're like doing things well because mm-hmm. um, like golf there's always things that you'd want to change or could change but even working through that, it's not the easiest thing if you're going through a swing change or just changing how you think about things, but like keeping their, their mentality positive and basically like letting them know that they're doing a good job every once in a while. And yeah. It goes such a, such a long way. If, a um, if somebody is like, uh, making mistakes or if you need to give constructive feedback or if like how do you you know i think a lot of people misunderstand this idea of like believing all the time or having this positive attitude all the time they think that you know you have to buckle down and you have to do the work and you have to be serious and you have to um you have to be disciplined and you have to you know it's almost like there's this negative thing that has to happen in order to like motivate you um to to make the change 
how do you how do you deal with that with your with your clients like how do you how how does that positive belief atmosphere help them to improve specifically yeah um, I think it's just getting them to to buy into the idea and getting them to understand why we're doing certain things like I would never go tell anyone either like a mentality or a swing change like technical stuff without letting them know like why and how it would benefit them mm -hmm. so and i think getting people to buy in helps a ton in especially my coaching um and even if like i've had other people in the past um like i as a junior went down to florida for this little golf camp that i got invited to because i won one of these events and um first thing he did was like he tried to change my takeaway and didn't tell me why because like i did something a little bit different like he was a big like hinge and hold guy like a little bit more old school in terms of his thought process behind the golf swing and i was more of a like minimalist takeaway like and then i would create my lag or my kind of angle at the top in transition and he was trying to get me to do the other thing but i i didn't get an explanation on on why and i didn't buy into his idea because i was like i don't think this is going to help me it just doesn't yeah. feel comfortable so that's awesome and that, that kind of relates back to me talking about like buying into the pre-shot routine or the you know the gratitude journaling in the morning like until i understood why um and i think that's a this super 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 important thing um you 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 can't just it's like the difference between knowledge and wisdom right like you can read a book all you want um and that might help you to understand why you want to try something but you still will never have the wisdom until you try that something it's like okay i can understand why a pre-shot routine i understand now why a pre-shot routine is so important um but i don't get the wisdom or the experience until i try it like consistently and under, and then you have more of an understanding of why and how that works. Um, and I think that's a, a super important thing just in life in general for, for people that are, that are listening. It's, you know, don't do things that you don't, you know, if you don't have a strong why behind it, maybe focus on that. If you have a hard time, you know, waking up in the morning, if you have a hard time sticking to a morning routine, if you have a hard time sticking to that pre-shot routine, in your golf game, if you like, you know, start asking yourself like, why, why do I want to stick to that? Why do I want to get up and do a morning routine? Why do I want to meditate? What do I like, whatever that is, why do I want to read that book and, and focus on, focus on that why and asking yourself, like, what happens if you don't, like, how does, how do things change if you don't or, or stay the same if you don't. And I think that's a big thing in coaching that I realize is that, you know, a lot of times people have a strong why when they think about the idea of not growing or not getting better. Right. Like if you're not going to do that thing, you're not going to have that growth that you desire and that growth that you want. And I think that's one of the biggest pain points for people is like staying stuck, staying right where you are and not evolving, not learning, not growing. Um, I think it's one of the scariest things in life and you get to the end of life and look back and be like, well, I didn't really do anything. Like that's definitely a motivator for myself and, and, uh, just keep going, keep persevering. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a very valid point for, for people that are listening to really ask yourself why, um, the, how much do you invest into yourself? Like how much time, how much, uh, uh, yeah, like how, how you know, I, I have a, I have a question that I wrote down here very, very specifically, and, and you can ask, you can answer if you want, but I, I like to ask people, like, I want to ask people like what percentage of your income 
or um or just give me like a time or like how much do you focus on you because obviously you're teaching all these people you're you're a golf coach you're trying to make a push for the pga you're you know you're doing a a lot of things but how much you time do you do you give yourself i i would say like more than than the majority of people um especially for my own pursuit of golf like i could easily just fill my day with lessons and helping other people uh, but i i schedule time to myself i make sure i block off my availability so especially this year as i'm just teaching full time like maybe only work six hours a day even though i could work for 10 and have an extra four or five hours like working on my own game as well as uh, now in the winter like i spend a little bit more time in the gym uh spend a lot more time reading just because i still like golf courses aren't open but i still put the time in towards my own goals and i think uh just in terms of like doing things for you is so important uh that like you can't always just be looking out for other people even if you're like doing a job like yeah you can't always you pour it. from an empty cup or or my favorite in the pilot world was you can't you can't help other people until you put your own oxygen mask on right yeah. um yeah and and that shows like uh, as, as somebody who's uh, training or teaching people out in the golf course like you know your reputation out in the golf course is a positive one right you're 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 you enjoy your job you enjoy what you do like um how much impact do you think that has on the people around you i think it's huge like if i show up every day with a good positive attitude and i'm i'm fresh then i'm going to do a better job uh in like teaching anyways but just uh like being able to spend the time on myself obviously it's very fulfilling both what i do teaching wise and my own life and goals um and I think like overall, I'm just always in a good mood or people see me with a smile on their face around the club. And I think it's huge just for the environment that I'm trying to to create out there and the energy that I give off it makes people want to be around you a little bit more. So, yeah. How, how do you think that um, uh, when you're when you're working with these clients uh, coaching, how do you think that positive space um how do I want to word that question? Uh, when you're trying to help somebody, um, how does it help people um, by you working on yourself or you creating that positive environment? How does it help people specifically? In, in... Yeah, it's just a lot more inviting atmosphere <laughs> to be a part of. Because if I was miserable in my own right, um, then that energy kind of rubs off on the person. And then if I'm grumpy, then you might be a little bit grumpier if you hit a bad shot and then it's kind of a downward spiral. But if I, even if you hit a bad shot and I'm sitting there smiling be like, that's okay. Like you're still doing a great job. Yeah. I know it's like, it's tough going through an interesting change where you're thinking. So um, I think it helps people like understand that it's, it's okay to mess up too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're all just imperfect flawed golfers trying to be better golfers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> imperfect flawed human beings trying and I think that like, it opens up a space of, of people or uh, feel like they can ask questions without you judging them. Right. And, mm -hmm. and they feel like they can, you know, it's, it, it's like, it's kind of like you said, like if you're focusing on the putt and, and that you have to have that outcome, 
then you're going to create a pressure on yourself. If people are, are being coached by you and they feel like they have to have an outcome because otherwise you're going to judge them or tell them that's good or bad, then they're going to put pressure on themselves. And it's, it's kind of that whole acceptance of where people are. Um, and I think that's a big thing for coaching is just accepting people where they are, like where they're starting and not being, you know, like how does it work? You know, you're a coach, you're a golf coach. How does it work? Like, you know, and you told us uh, earlier that it, you never stop learning. Golf is not something that you're ever going to perfect. It's uh, you're just learning and, and getting better and better at it. So that means when you're you're coaching people, right? Um, you know, at all these different calibers, you know, people who are plus twenty handicaps to to maybe down to scratch. Um, how do you? Uh, how are you able to coach people at different calipers and? how does like you working on yourself transpose into coaching people? Like as I'm trying to get clarity in this question I'm asking, but as you get better as a, as a golfer, mm -hmm. um, like at what point can you start coaching somebody? And this isn't specifically around golf, but my, my, the point of this question is specifically around helping somebody. At what point do you think you could start helping somebody? Like how much do you have to know about something? How much do you have to practice something? I think uh, like you have to have a general understanding and practice, but you get a lot better at, at coaching or what you do in general just by doing it. Um, so like when I started coaching, um, I probably started to teach when I was like 16-ish, just like helping buddies. And I guarantee you that when I started back then, even though I was still a really good player at 16, 17, like I was plus handicap and stuff, um, like you don't give the best lessons <laughs> yeah. and I've gotten a ton better just by, by doing it. So um, like once you have a little bit of skill where you feel comfortable in your own right, that you're like a success, um, like in whatever you do, if you feel like you're ahead of the game and you have some area of expertise, then the best way to get better at terms of coaching is just to start. And then you feel so a lot more comfortable. People. Yeah. Then you feel a lot more comfortable and it can be based on levels. Like I was on a call with some other uh, PGA of Canada professionals about a week and a half ago. And a guy brought up, he was like, Oh, I just don't feel comfortable to, like teaching better players right now. It's like, I'm okay. Like teaching like a 20, 30 handicap. But if a five handicap came to me, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. And it is just uh like you can start at that level you feel comfortable at. So you mm -hmm. can teach those 30 handicaps, 20 handicaps until you feel comfortable enough to move up the ladder. So even in, in coaching or trying to help someone out, um, you're going to be way ahead of the game compared to some people who are looking to improve in that aspect that you have the knowledge in and you can start there until you get comfortable getting a little bit better and then working your way up the ladder. Yeah, it's kind of a funny loop, right? Like um, when I got into coaching, a big thing that stuck out was like, you know, if you're if you're good at anything, like if you if you think that anything that any of your experience will benefit somebody else, then you owe it to yourself to help those other people. And you know, you think, okay, well, like at what point do you start helping other people? And I think the biggest thing, and, and let me know if uh, let me know if you agree or or if this kind of relates to golf instructing as well but with every person their their swing is unique to them it's not 
you fixing their swing based upon your swing. It's you helping them to improve upon their swing based upon where they are. So it's not, it's, it's a little bit less pressure on you having to like fix these people. Does that make sense? Like it's, you know, for me, I really find that it's, it's in coaching. If you think you're going to go into a coaching call, or if you're going to go into teaching somebody something and you think that it has to be perfect, you're going to, you're not going to be listening to them and where they are and what they think and how, how they think about it. And what I realized is the more I listen to other people and them sharing their perspective on something, the better I understand where they are. Mm -hmm. And until I understand where they're starting, I'll never understand how to help them. And then it's like, so it's a lot of questions. And does that kind of relate to people in their golf swings? Do you ask a lot of questions to figure out where they are, or like watch them swing and, mm -hmm. and then work from there? Absolutely. Especially uh, when it comes to body limitations is huge. Like, yeah, everyone probably wants to have a swing like Adam Scott that like looks picture perfect, but not everyone can do that based on their body. If you have a bad back or um, mm -hmm. like everyone's kind of natural arm hang is different. Some people have really like internally rotated forearms. Some people have really externally rotated forearms based on their posture and things. So mm -hmm. um, I can't just say like, this is the perfect grip where you have to be like neutral in everything you do, because that's not going to be perfect for everyone either. So I have to kind of look a lot more into that uh, just to be able to kind of lead them into direction that allows their natural ability to actually shine. Right. And then that's, that's the whole idea where you end up learning as well. Cause now you're dealing with somebody who has different problems or different challenges, challenges that maybe you don't have, mm -hmm. and then helping them work through those challenges and learn those lessons helps you to help more people because mm -hmm. you're going to have other people with similar challenges to that person. And, and that's kind of the cycle of life. And that was kind of, you know, my, my imperfect question that I was trying to ask earlier, that was, that was the point of it. It's like anybody who who is out there listening and, and you're trying to get into the personal development space or you want to help people or you feel stuck yourself and you're like, well, I'm not going to help people until I get unstuck myself. It's actually a, it's actually a mixed process. You, you can get unstuck by helping other people and you'll realize that focusing on um, helping other people without thinking that you have to fix other people, you'll realize that you'll figure out what you know and don't know. And then you'll be motivated. You'll be more like, I am so much more motivated. I read so much more, listen to so many more podcasts. Like I do so much more work on personal development, leadership, uh, ever since I got into coaching. And it's, it's so addicting because there's always things that I don't know. And every single conversation, even on this podcast, I'm not sitting here thinking that my answer is the answer that has to come out of your mouth. Um, because it's just shared, it's different perspectives. But at the end of the day, there's, there's common skills there's common ideas that do work better than the other ones um but uh, i think overall just sharing sharing personal development or, or the mindset stuff from or the leadership stuff from a different perspective especially in golf i think it just it could resonate differently with other listeners out there who like golf or um even people that don't like golf it's golf is very 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 similar to life and i think that if you if you do golf and you uh and you want to improve your game um we, we talked a lot about Bob Rotella's book, uh, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect. I'd start there. Um, you know, Dave, how, how can people reach you just to wrap this up? Uh, yeah, you can kind of send me an email, follow me on uh, social media, on Instagram. Um, 
email would be davidfrenchgolf at gmail.com. And then uh, if you search my name, David French, you can find uh, both my personal and golf uh, Instagram accounts. So you can always reach me there as well. Do you do online lessons or you're, you're located in Guelph, right? Ontario? Located in Guelph. Uh, most of the time I would do like, like in person, but happy to, if you want to send me a video, I'll do it for free. I don't really uh, care about the little bit of money that uh, would come along with online, but happy to help uh, in any way if you have any questions. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Awesome. I'll throw that in the show notes. Um, yeah, we'll wrap this up. Uh, I could just a fun question I ask people. Uh, if you could have a superpower, what could it be? Anything? Oh. Uh, ooh. I think teleportation. I think yeah? that's sweet. Yeah. Why? Uh, just getting to places uh, that I want to go. Like I want to be able to to travel a little bit more too. And uh, being stuck on an airplane for 12 hours doesn't sound quite as fun as just zipping over at a snap of the fingers to Australia or something. So it's funny yeah. be able to experience more. Absolutely. Right. Awesome, man. Well, again, pleasure coming on here. Um, it's kind of funny. We start talking about golf and then this, I think is like my longest podcast episode. But <laughs> hopefully people find some value and uh, until next week, everybody that's listening, I appreciate you and uh, leave us a review, uh, share this with anybody else that loves golf in your life and uh, add some value to somebody's day. And, and we'll talk to you next time on the captain's mindset podcast. Thanks. Thanks for watching another episode. If you found value at all in this episode, please do me two very important things. Please, number one, give us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcast. And number two, please share this on your social media or with somebody that you think would find value in it. These two things are super important for the growth of this podcast and helping us maximize our reach and the impact that we have on the world. Together, we can make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.